Happy Monday, one and all. Hope you had a good, safe, and happy 4th of July holiday weekend. I sure enjoyed my time with uh, family in a safe environment. And boy, I love it's my favorite holiday. I love the 4th of July because of the three F's, freedom, food, family. You can add a fourth one, fun, in there if you'd like as well. The four F's, how about that? I love the 4th of July. And I hope you uh, loved it too and appreciate this country that we live in. While it does have a lot of issues and a lot of problems, it's not uh, immune to those issues. I think that we are set up the very best in this world with the most tools available to overcome together those issues that we have. And I think that this country is the greatest in the world and still needs to be Uh, the greatest every day and we need to not take it for granted we need to work on it every single day to make it fulfill be able to fulfill the promise that this land possesses for each and every one of us and all the world over Uh, it's a military monday so we'll get the majority of the podcast coming your way uh, in in segment two Uh, we've got a couple stories about a veteran here in utah who uh, he and his family received an incredible gift over the weekend and then a man in Bountiful who's putting together a project that I think everybody, young and old, far and wide, will enjoy taking part in. But until then, before we get to that, I should say, we do have some jazz notes to talk about, an NFL story that has just blown my mind, and Utah State uh, is in the news for something not so great. But in the meantime, it is how we start each and every day, this day in sports history. Oh, but you know what? Before we do that, uh, a bit of, annou- of an announcement here on the EP podcast. We because things are cooking back up with the with uh, rather the NBA and things things are getting a little busier for your guy here. Uh, I am unfortunately not going to likely be able to do a podcast every single day at least for the the next few weeks. And so for the meantime, we're going to be posting every other day, so Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays you will get a fresh edition of the EP podcast. Monday for Military Monday, Wednesday for Acoustic Wednesday, and Friday for Wear Red Friday. And hopefully that's okay. I'm just trying my best to keep this thing as updated and as new as possible while still getting my actual work done. So thank you for your support. This day in sports history, though, July 6th, 1933, Babe Ruth hit a two-run home run as the American League beat the National League 42 in the Major League Baseball All-Star Game held at Chicago's Comiskey Park. What was interesting about that is that it was the first ever Major League Baseball All-Star Game, July 6th, 1933. 1957, Althea Gibson became the first black player to win a Wimbledon singles title when she defeated Darlene Hard in straight sets to win the Women's Singles Championship. 1960, uh, rather 86, Bob Horner hit four home runs, but the Braves still lost 11 to 8 to the Expos. And uh, July 6, 2008, Rafael Nadal beat Roger Federer in five sets to win the Wimbledon men's singles title. The match lasted four hours and 48 minutes, and at the time was the longest for a Wimbledon singles final. That's this day in sports history. 
I want to start with some jazz news. Last week, Donovan Mitchell held some media availability, and we shared some of those comments and sound bites with you on the zone. But I wanted to share an extended version. It's about four minutes long, and you'll hear voices of Eric, the voices of Eric Walden of the Salt Lake Tribune and Tim McMahon of ESPN as they questioned Donovan Mitchell about the relationship that he shares with Rudy Gobert on a personal level and a professional level. And Donovan, I thought, handled himself well and I thought came across incredibly uh, uh, honest and forthright and candid about how there have been issues in the past, but that he and Rudy are moving forward and can and will be able to find success together as basketball players and teammates. But here's that exchange, and then I'll have a quick reaction for you. So I guess I'll just start off with the obvious one that that jazz fans are wanting to know about, and uh, people just want to know how how is the relationship between uh, you and you and Rudy? Yeah, um, you know, I'll kind of address this one just for everybody, and kind of just leave it uh, after this. To be honest with you, I understand that y'all got to ask this question, but you know, right now we're good. We're going out there ready to hoop, um, and I think the biggest thing, you know, that that kind of sucked was that it took away from the guys on the team, um, took it what the guys on the team were trying to do. And I, I really wish that, you know, as going forward, you know, I think that'll be really the primary focus is just us gelling as a team, because obviously you and Rudy and I had COVID and whatever happened, happened, but you know, now we're ready to hoop and focus on the team as, as a whole, you know, because we're t- not really trying to keep taking attention away from what everybody's got going on. Obviously we got Boyan now, so we have some guys that are really looking good and, and ready to step up. And uh, that's what we're really excited about. All right. Uh, next question from Tim McMahon. AP, Tim. I mean, ESPN, sorry. I was going to say, I changed jobs. Hey, Donna. Um, <laughs> I respect you wanting to move on from the situation with Rudy. I hope you respect mm-hmm. that we have a job to do as well. So I do have a couple of quick sure. questions on that. Um, sure. the, the first, you're a smart, savvy guy. You, you understand the way the league works, the way media works, the way a situation like that uh, is going to draw speculation. Why did you let that linger for the last three plus months instead of addressing it, whether it's a tweet, Instagram, or, or, or doing some media? Because I feel like, you know, for me, I, it's no secret, Tim, that I, was, I, I wasn't happy at the beginning. This I've mm-hmm. said that publicly. It's no secret to that. So for me, it was like, I'm not going to continue – addressing something that I, one, didn't feel was true. You know, obviously we had the article that came out with, um, sorry, what's his name? Um, Shams, you know, and everyone saw that. And I'm, I just, to be honest with you, and no disrespect to you guys, but it's like, I'm not trying to give things clicks that, you know, just to have a story, you know, and then I kind of go back and then it brings more like, you know, you know what, we know what it is internally as a team and that should be it, you know, and I think like that's part of what Eric kind of, Eric asked that question, part of that maturity and growing up because I could have easily went back and forth with whoever on Twitter and kind of addressed it, but I'm just like, you know what, like there's no need for that. My teammates and my coaches know how I feel and I feel like that was a moment where I was just like, you know what, that's it and I'm leaving it at that and that's really how I felt. And on top of that, like I said, it it really took away from like guys and like what guys were working on, what guys, because we talk about what we've been working on the past two months. And I feel like that's really been hijacked because of this whole thing. And, you know, it's easy to kind of go out there and say something, but no, like I, I wanted my teammates to know this is how I feel. And I'm, there are moments where you're just tired of continuing to hear over and over again. And I'm tired of addressing it, kind of going, no, that's not true. Or no, this is not true. Because then you find yourself all over Twitter trying to 
call out people for no reason. So I just left it and addressed it with my teammates. Okay. And, and the other question I had, um, talking to people around your organization, talking to Rudy himself, acknowledge that there was some tension between you guys before. And the way it was described mm-hmm. to me is kind of typical co-star, two out of 10 on an NBA drama type of tension. Um, Rudy acknowledged a lot of that was him complaining about, you know, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. Uh, how would you describe that working relationship going, you know, pre-pandemic and, and how maybe did that tension impact the way you felt once the, uh, once you tested positive? Um, I mean, obviously you look at, and I'm not, please don't quote me as comparing us to Shaq and Kobe and, and Penny and Shaq, you know what I mean? But like you look at all great or all duos or whatever it may be, um, you know, for us, it's like, you know, there's going to be tension. There's going to be back and forth. You know, obviously I feel like I should be right here. He should be feel like he should be right there, but it's always going to happen. It happens on every team. doesn't matter if they win championships or their last place team. It's always going to happen. So I feel like even in a work environment, you're not going to always get along or go out to eat or, you know, hang out with, you know, your teammates. Um, so that's that. And then, um, sorry, the second part of your question. Maybe how, how did that, that, that tension and, and the frustration that you might've been feeling towards Rudy, mm-hmm. Uh, impact the way that you felt when you did test positive and, you know, kind of as you were processing that. I consider that, Tim, I consider that two separate things. One is basketball. One is a working relationship and the other one is life. Um, I consider that separate. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that really had any carryover. Appreciate it. Okay, so first of all, there's some people that are calling out Donovan uh, for what they are deeming to be maybe a dishonest uh, approach or flavor his reactions to those comments, I disagree. I think he is being honest and candid. I think that what is shining through is he has regrets about how he handled himself uh, in regards to his reaction to COVID uh, being confirmed. You know, he himself testing positive for COVID after uh, Rudy tested positive for COVID. And that's not to say Rudy gave it to him or he gave it to Rudy. It's just that's the chain of events of who tested positive when. Uh, and for, for a long time, I've been telling you here on the EP podcast that it wasn't that Donovan was mad about COVID. That was just kind of like the final straw for him. And as he said in those comments just then, it was, a, it was a long time coming. There were a lot of things, a lot of problems that he and the team had addressed and continue to address. And, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert has admitted, as Tim McMahon said there, that he didn't handle himself well. So what the reaction to all this is for me is this is old news. It really is. It, it feels and sounds like old news. Uh, but that's because it, the reason it is still going on to to criticize Donovan for a moment here is because he did not address it when it first happened. He did not do any local media from March 11th till just last week when he made those comments you just heard. And that's why it's still lingering. And Tim McMahon pointed that out to him, and he gave his reasons for why he didn't address it. And I understand why he would think that way, but I, I would advise him to not do that. If I were on his quote-unquote PR team or whatever, I would have had him address it right off the bat, talk about it right when it happened, and squash it so that three months later when they're when the team's finally getting back together and the public is able to talk to him again, they're not asking about this now. Instead... He, he chose to not address it until now. 
He was asked about it, and now it is old news. But I think it could have been old news sooner rather than now. But bottom line, it is old news. Sounds like Rudy and Donovan are going to be just fine. The team can play basketball without being best friends and have some success on the court. And I think that's good news for Jazz fans. A not-so-good local story now as Utah State has issued a statement Apparently, they had a football player who made some racially charged or racially inappropriate comments on social media that they have suspended, uh, and they are now launching an investigation, and they say that they'll take further action if needed once that investigation closes. I don't know what was said. I don't know who said it. I don't know when, where, or how they said it, but I am here to tell you that if... This is a situation where somebody used the N-word. They should be done, period, end of story. Morgan Scally should have lost his job. I'm sorry that people don't like me saying that. But until we get rid of this double standard, where uh, if you're, if you're, because what's going to, and let me slow myself down here. What I think will happen is this player, I think it will come out that this player said the N-word and he'll be done and that's it. End of story. Morgan Scally said the N-word, and because he's a coach, and because people like him, and because he is a good person, he gets away with it. And he gives a tearful apology, which I thought was extremely genuine, but he got to keep his job. This, this player won't, because he's small potatoes, so to speak. And that double standard, we have to get rid of the double standards when it comes to racism. racially charged comments or language or beliefs if you want to soften it away from racism, fine. But until we say, here's the line, and no matter who you are or what you do or what you know or who you know, if you cross that line, that's it for you. If we don't draw that hard line, things will never change. And uh, I I hope, I don't like to hope for people to lose their gigs. I, I hate people losing their jobs. But I hate racism even more. And I hate double standards, maybe above all. It should be the same rule, the same line for everybody. You cross that line, you're done. So we'll see what plays out from this Utah State investigation. But uh, I, I do at least, I do like that they are making change there and it seems everywhere. They're committed to doing better. It's just how slow or how quickly do you get to that change. And if you allow double standards, it will be a slower process to getting to real change rather than a quicker one. Finally, this note before we get to a Military Monday segment here on the EP podcast. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs have agreed to a 10-year contract. Yes, you heard that right. 10 years for uh, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, This from Adam Schefter. uh, The contract extension ties him to the Chiefs through the 2031 season, according to sources of ESPN. Patrick Mahomes had two years remaining on his contract, and he and the Chiefs are adding on 10 more, making it a new 12-year contract in total, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, That's a baseball contract. Uh, I don't know that I'd advise him to sign a 10-year, now 12 years deal with uh, the same team. But it sounds like he's going to be uh, an old man when he's done playing for the Kansas City Chiefs 
And that's good news for Chiefs fans everywhere. Okay, it is a military Monday, and seeing as we just celebrated Independence Day, the 4th of July, just over the weekend, I wanted to say real quick, I hope you had a happy and a healthy, fun-filled, safe 4th of July celebration. Uh, Hopefully you were able to both socially distant yourselves and still enjoy this great country that we live in. Filled with problems, yes, but still, in my humble opinion, the greatest country in the world. I'm not some great world traveler, uh, and there are some wonderful, beautiful, amazing places uh, to live and, and reside and be a citizen of around this this world. But for me, I am beyond grateful, beyond words, I should say, grateful that uh, I live in this country, uh, and uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, I also wanted to send a special happy birthday shout out to Brent Taylor, Major Brent Taylor, would be 41 years old today. His wife, Jenny, uh, a good friend of the program. And uh, we've got a lot of Military Monday personnel lined up to be interviewed and share their stories with coming up in the in the weeks to come. Thanks to her and uh, Brent's efforts and the life that he lived. But today I wanted to share a couple Military Monday stories uh, from actually from our friends over at KSL. And this first one is a story done by Mike Anderson, a KSL TV reporter. And actually, our friend Jenny uh, makes a, a brief appearance in this video, which you'll hear. Uh, but Jenny, being the citizen aide to the Secretary of the Army, uh, she was involved in this gifting of a brand new, state of the art, technology filled smart house, smart home rather, or, or smart house, for First Sergeant or Sergeant First Class Travis Vendella, who in 2007, while serving uh, in the military, decided that he and his his, uh, Humvee uh, group decided after they were just hit by an IED and survived that they were going to run over the second IED so that the group behind them would not risk getting hurt. And unfortunately... It went off, and Travis lost both of his legs and has been living in a world that is not conducive to uh, double amputees. And now he's got this beautiful new smart home that he can live comfortably in. Things that we every day take for granted, like being able to reach countertops to cook for our children, he's now going to be able to do. And I just wanted to, excuse me, (laughs) just wanted to share this audio uh, from Mike Anderson's report on KSL as Travis Vendella, his wife, and their children received this incredible gift as part of the 9-11 Foundation, uh, or, or rather the Tunnel to Towers organization, which was formed in the wake of 9-11. So here you go, Mike Anderson of KSL-TV with Sergeant First Class Travis Vendella getting a major gift this holiday weekend, a mortgage-free smart home. The donation was made today thanks to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. And while the home will be a big help to the family, Northern Utah Specialist Mike Anderson explains why that veteran soldier says the show of support also changed him for the better. 
For all the flag represents, Sergeant First Class Travis Vendela says that same patriotism lives deep within him. I joined in 1997 the military. My whole family pretty much was military. It's also likely why so many people are here to support him. You live in a beautiful state that loves you, that appreciates you. A crowd of people, mostly strangers, that want to say thank you. We truly believed in the... I will sacrifice myself for you. I joined the military for that reason. 13 years ago, Vendela says his reconnaissance team made the decision to run over an IED so others behind them wouldn't have to. So now it was time to ante up. We drove over it, not thinking, hey, we're going to get blown up. We just got hit with one, so lightning never strikes twice, right? This July 3rd, he's raising a flag here. Cutting the ribbon, and most importantly, seeing the inside of his home for the first time. Overwhelmed is probably the best word. More than the accessible appliances, cool. the technology. Mandela says this past several months, the generosity shown here has changed him. I was becoming a very cynical person. And I've never complained about getting wounded. I've never complained about any of that. But I did need help. And he says after seeing many unfulfilled promises, no other organization came through the way Tunnels Towers did with the help of several local businesses and many volunteers. As much as it might not seem like it now, it overwhelmingly overpowers the bad that's happening right now. And while his family has always been there, obviously he's my hero. He's seen that others are there for him too during a time that means so much. You know, like I'm molded into that holiday and I'm molded into that flag, so it's huge for me. In Huntsville, Mike Anderson, KSL 5 News. Congratulations to the Vendela family and to Travis. Thank you so much for your service and your dedicated uh, commitment to our country and the fight for freedom and liberty the world over. And uh, thank you for sacrificing yourself and teaching us that lesson that it's better to sacrifice and give of yourself than to receive. And I'm glad that you finally get to receive something like a, a beautiful smart home for your efforts there. And then this from KSL as well. Ariane Brown wrote this piece out of Bountiful of a man who is putting together a pretty cool project. I'm going to read it to you here. More than 400,000 Americans lost their lives in World War II. And Bountiful resident Don Milne has made it his mission to make sure that each one of them is never forgotten, but he needs your help. Milne is asking for the public's help to take time to research and write stories about each of the U.S. soldiers killed in World War II, and he has created a way to do just that. His Stories Behind the Stars website allows people everywhere, which is, by the way, storiesbehindthestars.org, allows people everywhere to choose the name of a fallen soldier and then research and write that individual story. Milne said that he has learned or teamed up with Ancestry.com as a research tool to help writers. He said his eventual goal is to have an app where all the names and stories of each World War II soldier who lost his or her life can be accessed in one database. He says, we often glorify heroes in fictional movies, but forget the real heroes who died for our freedoms. These men and women who died missed out on being able to live their lives because they never came home. We need to give thanks to these people by giving stories behind the names we see at memorials. It is my hope that through the help of the public that we can get these stories written. The process, he says, to write these stories is simple. There are hundreds of thousands of stories to be written, and we are just in the beginning stages. At this point, if people want to write stories, all they need to do is pick a name. Maybe they have an uncle, 
aunt or grandparent that they want to write about. Maybe there is no family tie, but only an interest. Just pick a name, and through my site, they will be given free access to Ancestry.com to gather the information to write the story and then submit it. Milne said the stories don't have to be long. So far, he said he has had several hundred stories submitted from people all over the country. Many, he said, have found the process enjoyable and even addicting. I have people from 30 states helping me, he said. There is one woman from Minnesota who has written 150 stories in four weeks. It is kind of like a detective game, and with so many people staying home these days, it gives them something to do. Milne has also written his share of stories. In his search, he found out about a family member that he didn't know about until he started the project. I came across a fallen Marine who had died at Iwo Jima with a last name and birth location that caught my attention. It turns out it was my dad's second cousin. I had never heard of him from my family. A couple of days later, I found out something even more interesting. My wife's uncle and my dad's cousin attended Jordan High School together and graduated the same year of 1943. What are the odds of that? While Milne said his vision is still in the beginning stages, he hopes that the public will see value in what he is trying to do. He said that as time goes by, many of the stories are fading, and it is up to us to keep them alive. For the families who lost loved ones in World War II, they were sent a flag with a gold star to hang in their window to show the sacrifice that was made, but these individuals are more than that, Milne said. I hope people will see value in this project by helping to share the stories behind the stars. Again, to help Milne with the Stories Behind the Stars project, visit storiesbehindthestars.org. And our thanks to uh, Arian Brown, uh, author there for KSL.com. And uh, she has a Facebook page, A Mother's Right. uh, And you can follow her there. So thank you to uh, Mr. Milne uh, for doing this. And I, I can't wait personally to get on there and contribute myself. So stories behindthestars.org. That's going to do it for a Military Monday edition of the EP podcast. Uh, we'll be back uh, this week. Uh, we're, we're, like I said, to start things, we're moving to a three days a week post. Uh, and so we'll be back on an acoustic Wednesday for you right here on the EP podcast. And uh, looking forward to talking with you then. Until then, I'm Austin Horton. As always, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> Scott, do you know who else was on that Mississippi State team with Fred Smoot? Porkchop Womack. No, really? Yeah. yeah. You remember? <laughs> I had to look it up because I was remembering Porkchop was on that team, but yeah. he, he was absolutely on that Mississippi State team that came to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I don't know how many people might remember Pork, Porkchop Womack, but he played in the league for 10, 11 years. He and Fred, yeah. 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 You know what's All interesting right, about him? Nothing. <laughs> Oh, pork chock woman. He got you on that one. <laughs> he did. He kind of. <laughs>